This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Recollections Radio. Monday morning tea time is now all about sharing memories with you, old and new, of life in Dunedin. Bringing you stories, interviews and music from times past and inviting you to share your memories with us. Presented by Jill Bowie and Kay Mercer, the team behind Dunedin Public Library's Scattered Seeds Archive. Thanks to generous funding by the New Zealand Libraries Partnership Project. Recollections Radio, Monday mornings at 11 on 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. morning to you and welcome to Recollections Radio on this Monday Queen's birthday. I hope you're having a wonderful day and enjoying the day in your own special way and happy birthday to the Queen and it's not her actual birthday but it's her official birthday. Uh, Whether you're a royalist or not you, you have to say that a lady of her age has done remarkably well to hold a job down as long as she has. Today on the show we'll be talking about the Queen's visit back in the 1950s and we've also got an interview with the wonderful local artist, Ron Esplin. I actually played part two of the interview last week when we talked about Ron's art and how he comes to it. But this week we'll be going back to his earlier life. So we'll have that later in the show. But let's start off with a song. This one is appropriately enough by Queen. And I wonder if the Queen ever sits in the bath and sings along to this one. This is Don't Stop Me Now. Tonight. Gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive, and the world I'm turning inside out. Yeah. I'm floating around in ecstasy. So don't stop. Don't stop me. 
was Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, of course. Now, the Queen visited Dunedin in 1954. It was a bit of a torturous journey to get her here, um, to get any royal here, to be fair. Uh, she was on the Dunedin leg on Tuesday, the 26th of January, when there was a civic reception at the Dunedin Town Hall, followed by a sports meeting at Carisbrook and then a royal concert at the Town Hall. The following day, she visited the A.M. Ross and Glendinning's Roslyn Woolen Mills, and she visited the Truby King Harris Karatani Hospital. And then she met with leading sportsmen, and then there was a reception at the art gallery. They certainly kept her busy. On Thursday, she travelled by car to Milton, where there was a public welcome, and again on to Balclutha and Gore and Invercargill, again for public welcome. So there's lots of crowds cheering her on. This was the first time a reigning monarch had set foot in New Zealand. Previous royal visitors had been sons or brothers of the monarch, such as Prince Alfred, the Duke of Edinburgh, who came in 1869. The Duke and Duchess of Cornwall and York came in 1901, Prince of Wales in 1920, Duke and Duchess of York in 1927, and the Duke of Gloucester in 1934-5. So hopes for a visit by the actual monarch had been raised over the previous decade, and there'd been discussions about a visit by George VI in 1940. Sadly, the war prevented him coming then. Uh, then a detailed itinerary was prepared for a tour by the king in March 1949, but he fell ill, so it was really ill-fated. And a shortened tour planned for May 1952 for the king was again cancelled when he fell ill, and it was decided that Princess Elizabeth would come instead. But at the first stop on this tour, as you may know, in Africa, the young princess learned of her father's death and she returned home. So it wasn't until after her coronation in 1953, with heightened interest in royalty in New Zealand, that they were able to arrange a royal visit. And the state was heavily involved in overseeing preparations for the tour and making sure it was a great success. Internal affairs were the main organisers, but there was lots of help from various other departments and they all put enormous energy into the tour. The war had strengthened New Zealand's sense of their relationship with Britain. Where Britain went, New Zealand went and New Zealand's trade was overwhelmingly with Britain at that time. By 1953, New Zealand had recovered from depression and war, and there was a boom in wool prices created by the Korean War that had given New Zealand the second highest standard of living in the world, and they really wanted to show off this wonderful modern paradise to the world, so the royal visit was conceived. There was a little bit of opposition to the royal visit. There was considerable debate and controversy about details of the royal tour, including the Battle of the Royal Visit Milk Tops, which was provoked by the decision of internal affairs that the use of the royal crest on Wellington City milk tops was unconstitutional. Yes, there was very little overt opposition to the tour as such, but some individuals did protest. The communist mayor of Brunner, for example, Leonard Richardson, refused to wear a suit and boycotted the reception at Greymouth. 
A Fonganui resident refused to leave a shop to watch the royals pass by, saying, I'm not getting up for those pommy buggers. But even the Communist Party didn't really speak out against the Queen. They merely criticised the amount of money spent on decorations, which is probably fair enough. In later tours, there was a more organised protest, encouraged especially by the Republican Association of New Zealand, but uh, not too great a protest at that time. Uh, there was there was more bad luck, unfortunately, surrounding the tour. The day before the Queen's arrival, two of the Air Force pilots chosen to fly over the Gothic as it approached Auckland were killed in separate crashes. And then came the terrible disaster at Tangiwai in the central North Island on Christmas Eve. Six carriages of the Wellington-Auckland Express train plunged into the Whangaihu River and 151 people were eventually confirmed dead. A lahar, which is a torrent of ice, volcanic ash and boulders, had swept away the bridge. The event really cast a pall over the visit, of course, and New Zealand's royal Christmas. The Queen mentioned the event in her Christmas message and visited a couple who had survived the disaster and the Duke later flew to Wellington to attend a memorial service for the victims. Some Māori who had felt uneasy about the many details of the Queen's visit pointed to the fact that Tangiwai was a linguistic inverse of Waitangi, which means weeping waters. The gods were showing their displeasure at the monarch's presence in Aotearoa. But whether you are a royalist or not a royalist, whether you enjoyed the visit or you did not, you have to admire the Queen for the many years of service she has given at her age um, and congratulations to her on a job well done, really, I suppose. Right. Well, I did promise earlier in the show that we'd have our interview with Ron Esplin. That was a real joy speaking to Ron. He's a, a lovely man and he has a great raconteur. So I hope you enjoy this interview with him. Well, today I find myself at the home of Ron Esplin. Thank you so much for hosting, Ron. It's a pleasure. We've had nice a lovely, another lovely morning tea. Oh, I'll Very say. well made. Yeah, that, well, that's the way to start. You, uh, anything that you need to know or you need to solve a problem, a cup of tea. Is you are the so first right. Part. I agree with you 100%. And it's a proper cup of tea in a teapot, so it's <laughs> even better. Now, your early years, I understand, were spent in Scotland. You weren't born in New Zealand, were you? No. Um, and your parents emigrated to New Zealand, is that right? We all did. Yes. Yes, that's right. They didn't leave you behind. <laughs> it was, it was uh, well, they could very nearly have done oh. so. There was so much to take, but uh, <laughs> it was a fascinating journey. But uh, we, uh, my father won a scholarship to exchange with any teacher in the Commonwealth his whole family were uh, to go and exchange not only the job, but their home. Goodness. Uh, and so uh, Oliver Cox, the art teacher at Otago Boys High School, mm. went and lived in our house in Bucky in Scotland, in oh, Bampshire. Yeah. And uh, we came out here and uh, lived in Oliver Cox's house in uh, Strathmore Crescent, and uh, up near Roslyn in Dunedin. Yeah, it's a wonderful experience. It, it was an interesting thing because, of course, we came out by ship mm. in those days, and uh, then uh, after the year was over, we went back again by ship. Mm. So um, uh, when we did finally uh, emigrate to New Zealand because they felt this was the place to bring up a family, mm. Uh, by the time I was 10, I'd been one and a half times around the world. Goodness me, well-travelled. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was a good start. Yeah. So, Do you remember much about that? How old were you when you came? Well, I was 10, 10. When, we, when we came to settle. Right. Uh, so I would be eight, I suppose, when we first mm. left. Uh, but yes, I remember quite a lot of it. Yeah. 
because I found it, I used to read the Arthur Mees encyclopedias, oh. uh, which were all about uh, foreign lands mm. and things, at a time when it wasn't really very well known. Places like Malaysia, with the rubber and everything like that, you know, you, uh, very few people would have uh, uh, been to those places. Mm. And so uh, when we came out, went to Curacao, for instance, and uh, uh, saw the steel drums being played and oh. the, 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 uh, the jumping beans, uh, I don't know whether you're familiar with those. Yes, I remember those. Do yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, they were fantastic. And it was all because there's a little insect uh, inside That's the right. bean that uh, yeah. leapt up and down at a certain yeah. time of the year. Lots of the place, uh, and the Panama Canal, of course. Oh, gosh, yeah. That was incredible. Mm. And then we went through the uh, the other way too, through the uh, Suez, and uh, so up the Red Sea and into uh, mm. uh, I think into the Mediterranean. Yeah, the Suez Canal. Wonderful. So your boyhood hood years were the pages of an encyclopedia, really? Absolutely. Well, they were. Yeah, yeah. and I. I was starting to see things. We went to uh, what was known as Salon at the time, mm. and uh, elephants in the street, uh, and uh, you know, at a time which probably never be the same again. Julie oh. and I went back. It was wonderful. We went. To, we lived in a place called Nagombo, and I see Nagombo was um, in uh, the news today. Uh, there, there's rioting in Salon oh, at the moment, yes, yes. or Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka as it's now yes, known. Yes. So uh, uh, it was very interesting going to these places yes. and seeing all the things live and moving mm. uh, the, out of the pages of yes. Artemis Encyclopedia. What a dream for a young boy. It yeah. was. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your parents were both artists, weren't they? Yes, they, mm. um, they met at the Edinburgh Art College uh, and they both, uh, by sheer chance, had uh, won the same scholarship and uh, they were allocated lockers beside one another mm. and that's how they met Aww. and that began a 65 year Goodness. love story mm. Mm. So what was it like growing up in a creative household it was different because i went to uh, mcglashan college in, when we were in dunedin and a, a lot of farmers sons yes and also business parents who uh, were inclined to put their children into boarding school either because they thought they'd get a better education or because they had to, uh, because they were uh, miles into the country. Yes. So it was a boarding establishment mm. as well, which I went as to. As it is now, yeah. Yes, it is, mm. yeah. Mm. So the, the talk was often about um, shearing and dagging and all those sorts mm. of things. And really very little talk about uh, the Sistine Chapel or anything of that mm. nature. So you stood out a bit. Uh, well, of course, I had a Scot strong Scottish accent. Mm. And so they called me Scotty at the uh, at the beginning, right. uh, and then they changed. Uh, everyone had a nickname, of course. Mm. And uh, the um, the differences were quite. I used to draw the artists, uh, the, uh, uh, the masters. Uh, the idea being that uh, because I was smaller than everyone else, I was I was significantly smaller than everyone else, because mm. uh, these were great big farmers' yeah. sons, you know, and also I was younger than really than anybody else. Mm. Uh, so I found my way by using my tongue, mm. and uh, if uh, I'd give them a tongue lashing or whatever, <laughs> and uh, it's it, it, amazing how they responded uh, quite mm. well to that. Instead yes. of uh, knocking a block off, they uh, went away and <laughs> had a go at somebody else. Because the Scottish accent can be quite, quite forceful, can't it? Yes, yes. that's yes. right. Well, yes. it was for my survival. Mm. 
Uh, and that was a good uh, thing for me, really. Yes. Yeah. And I always looked very young, and uh, mm. that was uh, probably another another survival mm. element. Yes. Mm. So you protected yourself. Yes. Yeah. But you were a successful businessman. You didn't go straight into art. You're an artist now, of course. I should. Yeah. Say. Well, my father was a t- an art teacher, and my mother had uh, graduated through art college. And uh, so they both really, Dad painted, of course. He ended up at the School of Design at um, the University of Otago Mm -hmm. and became a professor eventually Mm -hmm. after 25 years. That uh, was, uh, so the the conversation, the talk and everything was all about art. And uh, so I assumed that I was destined for uh, some kind of art career. And actually he said, oh, you could be an architect. So I kind of Ah. went in that direction. Actually worked for Miller, White and Dunn for a ho- one of the holiday jobs. Mm, mm. But, oh, it's so complicated. I did, I did end up uh, doing uh, designing kitchens. I'm actually a qualified oh, right, designer. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, using AutoCAD, which is a, yes. a, a, yeah, a, yeah. a, a program that uh, you can use for yes, that purpose. So if that, I ever yeah. need to do that, I can kind of do, do it. It's something to fall back on. <laughs> I've noticed that with your, much of your art, which is surrounding us here, you beautiful, precise buildings that you draw. They've got sort of a, a dreamy quality about them, but they're also very precise. So that, that's obviously something. That's my dad. Oh, okay. Uh, in fact, those are my dad's. Oh, are they? Right. Yeah, right. and uh, that's mine there. Yes. So the same sort of thing, really. But um, mm. uh, and I guess that's his influence. Right. Uh, my brother uh, painted as well. In fact, the male members of the family all, mm. all painted. My mother did actually do drawings for Arthur Barnett so for the, oh. in the days when you didn't take photographs. Right. Uh, yeah. You drew yeah, it and yeah. all the sign writing oh, was lovely. done by hand. Yes. And uh, she fitted in very well there. Mm. Uh, but she never really managed to exercise her artistic ability right. apart from, I think, illustrating a book at one stage. Mm. Busy raising a family. Well, that's the reality. Mm. And she uh, abrogated her uh, position mm. uh, to my father's... Uh, career mm. in, in art and that was a very good thing to do really yeah. uh, sad from my mum's point yes. of view but very but it, good but thing. it worked out for the family well it did because mm. uh, dad was a, a, you know highly successful with mm. his art yes post retirement actually yeah. uh, he uh, when he retired from the, the um, uh, design school he started painting full time just and it was so supposed to be a hobby mm. uh, but he started selling rather well <laughs> And uh, I, I, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school that gradually the prices uh, became uh, pretty uh, steep. Mm. Mm. And uh, although it was just a hobby, he was uh, flat out uh, painting all the time. Uh-huh. And uh, one day the Inland Revenue sees something like half a million dollars in a year. Oh, goodness. And uh, he says, uh, what's, uh, what's they say, what's this? He said, oh, it's just a hobby. It's a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they didn't know what to do with them because no. they'd never seen it, found an artist that didn't have such, mm. that, that had such success. Yes. So it sat in the too hard basket for a while. Oh, well, that's good. And then <laughs> it was good. Yep. And then they decided what they'd do. They gave them some kind of penalty uh, oh. uh, tax, taxation. Right. And, uh, but it didn't stop them because he was earning so well. He yes. Could, he could just pay for it. Well, naturally. You just yeah. give him the painting. <laughs> well, that's right. That's, that's called a quid pro quo, I suppose, or, yes. uh, and um, <laughs> a contra mm. is what they call it. But um, 
it, I think it's frowned upon. It's the difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance. Oh, right. <laughs> Clear <laughs> distinction there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your father sort of nurtured your talent, did he? Yeah, he did really. Yes, yeah. he was. Um, he, he told he told me that I was I was good at art. Mm. Uh, and if your father tells you that, yeah. uh, then you believe it. Of course. Yeah. And uh, so if I wasn't any good, I made the assumption that uh, I was. Mm. And I was called upon to do stage at school. Uh, you know, they'd do the, uh, a lot of Gilbert and Sullivan. Yes. And then we'd do the, the backdrops for, nice. uh, for them. And yeah. that was a lot of fun. Mm. Another art. Only two of us were doing art school certificate. Out of the whole school, just two. Well, at that age, you know, you, oh, we were sort of at yeah. uh, age 16 or, or yeah. thereabouts. And there was Robert Taylor and I were in the sixth form art class and that was it. Right. So it was either him won the art prize or I won the art prize. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> you, you just shared it between you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, we were very giving. We, we had a lot of fun together. Yeah. And uh, I lost track of him at one stage. And uh, I think actually he's, he's no longer with us. Oh, Mm. That's a shame. It is, yeah. But your father nurtured your talents even into his retirement, didn't he? Into, into well, he did. I used to go there uh, yeah. to, when he was living in a uh, in Francis Hodgkins, mm. and he uh, uh, would be painting, and uh, his eyesight started to go, oh. uh, and uh, it was it was uh, he's losing the the, uh, perp the idea of the perpendicular, mm. and so I would have to. Um, None of these are, are in that era. Mm. This one is. Mm. Uh, and uh, I would say, oh, Dad, you'll have to just straighten that up a bit, yeah. which you can do with oils. Yes. Can't do it with watercolours. They're a bit more forgiving, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then uh, sometimes, too, you get the water not quite right. Mm. Uh, he's obviously seeing differently. Yeah. So that was quite nice. And then he'd look at mine. Mm. And uh, I have to say that um, one... A uh, day I got a, uh, approached by a dealer, and the dealer asked me if I'd come round and have a look at something that I'd be interested in. Mm. And uh, he had on a seat in his office a painting, which I can't show you here uh, at the moment, but it was of somewhere in England, and right. a watercolour, right. painted in 1943, mm. the year before I was born. Oh. Uh, and so uh, I... Uh, looked at this and I instantly recognised it as Dad's even though it was a watercolour. Oh, right. And uh, I said, well, that's my father's. He said, yes, but we don't know anything about it. Could you uh, elucidate? Mm. And I said, yeah, well, you give it to me and I'll uh, take it up and show him. Mm. So I'd been, I had the habit of going up there and having a beer or something after he'd had his dinner. Yeah. And I'd go into the fridge, have a beer, and I'd hear him clumping down the corridor outside. So mm. I, I used to put my work up and uh, he would uh, um, give it a critique, mm. and uh, then I'd do the same for his work. So yeah. that, that was our arrangement, nice. uh, which was, uh, you know, it Lovely. was nice. Yeah. Anyway, he came clumping into the room, and he looked at this painting, and he said, Ron, that's the best one you've done yet. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> took me aback a little bit. Uh, but anyway, that's what he did. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So was it hard going into the business world? So you, you must have... Did no, you... not really. No, because I had that background uh, with... I, I was in the same class as Eon Edgar. Oh, OK. And quite a number of other people who went into business. Yeah. Uh, a fellow Thompson, who unfortunately 
ended up in trouble with Fonterra. But um, apart from that, I was sort of in that kind of environment. I was friendly with the Smiths, and of course they were very business uh, orientated. So I heard quite plenty of that at, at, uh, at school. Having said that, I went, I did go for to do an arts degree, originally French and German and uh, English, uh, and uh, geography and history and anthropology and things like that. Mm. But uh, it looked as if I was going to be a teacher. Oh, and okay. I thought, I don't really want to be a teacher. Mm. And I thought, I thought there was time for me to just take a step back and say, what would you like to do? Mm. And I thought, well, I'd like to go into retail. Oh, okay. So uh, that's where that started. Yeah. So I uh, uh, was working for Haywrights at that time. Right. And uh, they had a, a connection with Unilever. And uh, they said, um, I said to them, I'm going to go away. I'd like to have a leave of absence if mm. I could. For two years, I'm going to uh, go to England with, uh, with my newly married wife. Mm. And uh, we had booked a, a two-year ship trip nice. from yeah. New Zealand. It only cost a thousand dollars. We could have bought a house for a thousand dollars, which, which uh, we'd seen. Mm. We decided we needed to go overseas. Yes, and that was the sort of the next stage of um, the interest in overseas travel. Mm. And so we went and lived in England uh, for that two years and then travelled Europe at the latter uh, end of our stay. Great OE. Mm. Yeah, but, uh, but I, I had arranged through Unilever to go to a, a management course with Marks and Spencer. Oh, right. And okay. uh, so yeah. I uh, went to uh, Marks and Spencer's mm. and they very kindly gave me a, a, a three-month position mm. And I could just uh, walk around and ask anything I wanted to. I'd spend time with uh, one department or another mm. and uh, learn how Marks and Spencer operated. Right. Before the, this is bef- this not it's before the Arabs got to it. Yes. Uh, but this is when the Jews uh, yes. or uh, yeah mm. were uh, running uh, yes. Marks and Spencers, and it was a very odd uh, arrangement. But they were very kind to me, and I went through a management course with them as well, all gratis. They were good employers, actually, weren't they? Wonderful, mm. wonderful. And uh, the lady, Miss Matarali, I can always remember, she was mm. my sort of uh, guide and mentor. Mm. When I had finished, I had a very, very parsimonious little gift to give her, which was a, uh, a calendar from New Zealand. <laughs> and anyway, we were in the lift and I said to her, look, um, I'm just so grateful for everything that you've done for me, and I'd mm. like you to have the small token of my appreciation for what you've done, yeah. a calendar of our beautiful country, New Zealand. Mm. And she said, well, uh, I said, I, I thank you for looking after me so well. Mm. He said, well, Ron, we Jews look after one another. <laughs> and I thought, oh, <laughs> we'll just keep that quiet. Yeah, well, I didn't say anything. No, that's right. Uh, well, maybe uh, for all I know, but uh, yeah. I certainly... You're not never... honorary Jew, are you? Yes, well, I am now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah that was funny. Mm. And you've worked at Snell's? Uh, well, I, I went, when I came back, I went, uh, walked down the street, as you could do in those days, yeah. in 1971, mm. and with a suit on, and called into every electrical shop, because I'd been working in the electronics business right. in, in England. Yeah. And uh, I was always fascinated with electronics, mm. you know, uh, colour TV had just 
uh, been uh, introduced to the yes. consumers in England and not to, to New Zealand at that point. Right. Uh, decimal coinage had changed just prior to our going to England and they had the same change when we were in England, so That's I was right. able to yes. help them with decimal oh, coinage okay. yes. changeover. Yeah. So it worked, uh, timing was pretty mm, good. Yeah. Then uh, I was going to, you were going to say, where was I? You know, <laughs> How did you end up at Snell's was the question. That's really. right. Well, I came yeah. back here and I walked the main street. I got two, three jobs just walking from one end of the street to the other. Yeah. And one was with electric refrigeration, which was uh, like a department store. Right. Uh, another one was uh, with uh, Parker and Keane, I think. And the, the other one was Brian Snell's. Right. And uh, I thought carefully about this and I felt that by going to a private company, mm. I would have a better chance of going through the ranks mm. than I might have in a department store. Yes. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's exactly what happened. And uh, I got on pretty well in uh, Brian Snell's, ended up as the sort of the assistant manager, I suppose. Uh, but being a private company, I could buy shares and I bought shares oh, in the company. Right. Yeah. And then by 1980, I owned the company. Fantastic. Yeah. So, wow. So that was nice. Uh, 1980, I think uh, we wound it up actually in 1995. Right, yeah. Uh, because um, what had happened, the whole retail scene had transformed mm -hmm. over that time. Yeah. And had the, the, the rise of the department store had uh, forced the private retailer mm -hmm. out of the scene. Yes. And uh, we closed it down because I couldn't find anyone to buy it. No one wanted to buy it. Oh, what a shame. We lasted longer than we should have yeah. because we looked like a corporate because I'd oh. started to go to university at that time right. to do a Bachelor of Commerce. Yeah. So you had a bit of marketing. Yes, I had got a marketing degree, yeah. uh, which I got by walking, part, uh, walking up and down to the university and then did it over about six years. Goodness me. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, I'm really glad I did. Yeah. There was a uh, fellow that came in, a salesman, and he said to me, I said, oh, you're all dressed up with a suit on today. And I said, why is that? He said, oh, I'm, I'm going to university. I said, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm doing a marketing degree. Mm. I said, well done. <laughs> well, that's a wonderful thing to do. Yeah. Oh, I, I really think I should have done that. And then I thought about it some more and I thought, oh, I will do it. Why so I went you? down yeah. and I uh, <laughs> enrolled. And uh, I was a bit worried at first, but it all fell into place okay in the end, mm. and I persisted. Uh, but I never saw that guy again until much later, probably about eight years later. Right. Uh, and he was walking around in a suit, and I, th I said, God, oh, it's great to see you. I owe you uh, a debt of gratitude yeah. because uh, you said you were going to uh, get a marketing degree. So I enrolled, and I've just graduated Wonderful. And he said, I never finished mine. Oh, <laughs> so you sort of passed the baton on to you, effectively. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So oh. there you go. It's funny how it's serendipity, I it think. It is. Yeah. Serendipity is a wonderful thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. And talking of which, you, you had quite a famous employee, didn't you, while you were at Snell's? Oh, yes, that was um, uh, Chris, Chris Knox. Knox. Yeah. Uh, and he was very creative. Mm. He really was a square pig in a round hole, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but I liked him. So I suppose the only connection really was it was a hi-fi shop and he was into music. Yeah, yeah, so that's, yeah. And you had to watch that with when you're hiring people because mm. you hire enthusiasts and they're hopeless. Yeah. What you need is someone who is a, a people person. Yes. So I did a lot of hiring and firing. Well, not much firing. Mm. I wasn't very good at firing. And we also had uh, a fella called, um, his name was Foster, someone Foster. He worked in a, he was in a, a very good band. Oh, okay. And I had a lot to do with bands because mm. I bought all the music mm. and I would meet uh, people from the music companies, yeah. uh, uh, Warner Brothers and uh, so on. And a great time to be doing that in the 80s. Oh, it was fantastic, yeah. of course. Oh, yeah. And I remember I took a hundred cassettes home. We only, we only had cassettes in, in yes. those days. Yeah. CDs hadn't been invented. Mm. I took a hundred cassettes home, uh, you know, one at a time mm. and marked them out of ten. Because oh. I thought, well, I've got to get familiar with the music, you mm. see. By the time I'd reached the 100, my tastes had changed completely. Oh, I might have been looking at Val Dunican or something when I started. <laughs> and then I was into Cream and Joe Cocker yeah, and nice. uh, all those people. Yeah. And that was a, a very formative exercise. Yeah. And uh, from then on, I really got interested in, uh, in music. And they were very good at giving tickets all the record companies that oh. give you tickets to these places fantastic. so you could go to split ends and yeah. uh, uh manhattan transfer they were oh, fantastic i remember them they were oh, great they were really yeah. uh, they were one of the best i'd ever seen yeah. they had they changed a genre of music throughout the performance yes. they went from pop to yeah. jazz they were it was really just eclectic amazing. and such great musicians they were singers weren't they yeah. uh, Acapella. Oh, yeah, yes, amazing. yes, they were uh, tremendous. Yeah. And, of course, uh, w the, the crowd uh, just absolutely mm. loved them. Yeah. And uh, uh, they were roaring, and, you know, they yeah. were so good. Did they come to Dunedin? Or yes, they came to Dunedin. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Where did and, they uh, perform? Say again? Where did they perform? Uh, Regent Theatre. Lovely. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this is lovely, actually. Yeah. It was a great venue. Yeah. And about halfway through the concert, they said, do you know... They told us up north not to come to Dunedin. Oh. He says, and this is the best crowd we've had. <laughs> well, it would be. They'd be so appreciative. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly a, a music-loving city, aren't we? Uh, we are. Yeah. You know, you get uh, Ed Sheeran arrives and he has three concerts. So, uh, <laughs> That's right. You know, liked it so much. Nowhere else in New, is it New Zealand. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Your daughter's a musician. Yes, she is. Or one of your daughters. Well, yeah. well uh, Penelope, Penelope. Uh, we had twins at the end. Yes. Uh, Penelope and Monique, yes. and uh, they're both about in their 40s now. Oh, goodness, really? And they're having families. Uh, but Penelope isn't having a family. She's married to music, yeah. uh, and uh, she's in a um, band that is called, she's quite a number of bands she's been in. Mm. Uh, but the most I remember success. her in the Prophet Hens. She's performed at yes, many right. times. Yes, that's right. She did. Yeah, a wonderful musician. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah she's very, quite uh, well. She's got a music degree. Yes. Uh, so uh, you know she's done an apprenticeship, mm. and uh, now she's with French for Rabbits. Oh, that's right, yes. Uh, and uh, they were, I think, they were, they were, what's the Tate Awards? They've been nominated Goodness for the Tate Awards. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, congratulations mm. to Penelope. Wonderful. Yeah, it is good. Yeah. She's quite, uh, uh, she's quite dedicated. Yeah. yeah. Did she get that from you? Did she get the music from you, or did she, was she just... Uh, well, I always played the guitar. I was in a band, for, uh, uh, both in England and here. Oh. Right. In the Southern Cross Hotel, yeah, we used to play the. It was a dance band. Oh, what was the band called? It was called Square. Uh, no, the one in England was called Square One. Right. 
and the one here was called the Russell Ward Quartet. Excellent. Uh, which sounds very square, and that's exactly <laughs> what it was, because it was, you know, strict tempo. There was no, oh, other, no one else was doing strict literally tempo. Literally for dancing, yeah. Uh, yes, but we, we, it was a, an interesting arrangement because we transformed during the evening. So what would happen is Russell, the uh, pianist, mm. would be there on his own, and oh. uh, everyone was having dinner, and here's this pianist mm. going quietly, you yeah, know, yeah. and they're thinking, they say it's a dine and dance, but yeah. we're going to... Scott, the guy, this. this is the only guy that's going to be, you know, they might, you can imagine them saying yeah. that. And anyway, uh, a guy, a drummer and I were retailers. And at nine o'clock, as soon as the shops closed, mm. whoosh, off we went down yeah. to the Southern Cross Hotel. And I played the guitar and he played the drums. So suddenly we had... Uh, yeah. uh, Your beat was there. Yeah, yeah, that was three of us. Yeah. And then not long after that, there were another two people that were in retail. And uh, they were singers, ah, and right. so we suddenly became a yeah. sort of a rock, a rock and roll band. Oh, brilliant! So we would have been playing standards up to that point, yeah. and then uh, it would start to hot up a bit, like a caterpillar to a butterfly. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was, and uh, you know, pe people loved it because it was a bit of a surprise. Well, you that's know. right. Yeah. Here's the band growing and Excellent. growing. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and it fitted in with your day job. Well, it sort of didn't really because oh. I was far too busy, really, oh. uh, because I'd uh, even in a weekend I'd play golf in the morning and then I'd go and uh, it would open the shop, mm. uh, and then uh, no sooner we closed the shop, then we're off to the band. Yeah, and especially near Christmas, it was yeah. uh, I wasn't home very much. No. I have to say, missed your family, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go back to your art. Because I, I mentioned earlier, I, I think your paintings have a real romantic quality to them for me. I'm not an art expert, but that's how they come across to me. Well, we don't need art experts. We just well, have people who, who like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I find them quite bewitching. You sort of you, you sort of drawn into them. You want to be there. They're also quite eclectic. You, you do Otago landscapes. You do cityscapes, places around the world. You've got lots of, of, of beautiful paintings from your travels, and you you do abstracts and tactile art and I love your fun folk paintings they're oh, probably really? my favourite because they're so where are we going I like that yeah, <laughs> where are we yes. do you know where we are you know they're kind of milling about people they're gorgeous yes yeah that's well that that um, was born of a, uh, a conversation I had with my father yeah. and uh, I said dad uh, do you ever approach a piece of paper or whatever a painting blank page. a blank page yeah. And do you look at it and say, oh, I don't know what to do? He said, no. I said, uh, <laughs> well, I'm surprised to hear you say that. Because uh, I do. That's hard to uh, And to, he said, it? oh, well, uh, he said, um, what, um, what goes through your mind? He said, well, I, I'm just trying to think of something to paint. He said, uh, could it be laziness? Harsh <laughs> 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 critic. <laughs> Yeah, so, so he obviously he's, never had that problem, or he said he didn't. Well, he didn't because he kept photographs uh, that he'd taken all, yeah. all over the world. Mm. And one of the things I'm pretty proud of is that I don't paint anything where I haven't been. Right. So uh, yeah. if, if it's a picture of uh, uh, wherever it is in China or yeah. Tibet or whatever place we've been to, it's always, uh, uh, you know, I'm reliving the moment that yes. I was there. Yeah. And I hope that that actually comes across. It does. Like I say, it's, it's as if you've enjoyed being there so much 
and that's probably why someone viewing your painting wants to be there too. Yes, <laughs> so I hope so. Yeah, it draws It, it brings to life that a moment yeah. uh, in time. And the joy of it, the, yes. the, the sheer, the size and the scale and the, and, the, and, the, and the beauty of the place is all there. Well, I'm yeah. glad that you yeah. see that. And uh, my yeah. uh, uh, father... Uh, and mother used to go to paint parts of Scotland, mm. and when and every time I went back to the UK, I would go to those places yes. so that I could then take a photograph and feel the atmosphere, oh. and then I'd come home and and paint mm. it myself. Yeah, mm. it's interesting. You say you 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 only paint where you've been, but you have painted somewhere. You've got a. It's not a specific place, but it's more of an amalgam of that particular area. There's a couple of paintings on your website I've seen. Which well, just, I, I, they could be. Anyway, but they're distinctly Otago. All oh, right. Well, sometimes, yeah. uh, when I had a, a little while ago, that's quite a long time ago now, yeah. somebody asked me to, uh, I won't name names, but uh, he asked me to paint Wanaka. Mm. Now, uh, and then gave me a whole lot of photographs, about six photographs. Right. And I looked at them and none of them appealed to me mm. particularly right. because there were bits of one I said, oh that's nice you know mm. uh, but uh, it didn't make a proper composition or yeah. anything so I combined the, those six photographs mm into uh, what was really an impression of Wanaka. Yeah, you captured the essence uh, Well, I think so. You had a lake and you had yeah. uh, some of the parts of yeah. Wanaka that everyone would recognise. Yeah. In fact, people would know instantly, so oh, that's Wanaka. That's yeah. what I mean. It's, it's more of a feeling than a recognition that's of right. a particular place. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And I would not. I probably wouldn't have told. I'm only telling you, you know. <laughs> Nobody's uh, listening. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, but that was a, a kind of a rare thing. I, look, I move things all over the place. Mm. So if, if, for instance, I did one of um, uh, uh, from the uh, island where the aquarium is. Oh, yes. Uh, mm. What's the name Quarantine? of that? Quarantine Island. Mm. That's right. Thank you. Uh, and uh, looks, looking across at uh, Harbour Cone. Mm. Well, it was an interesting viewpoint. I couldn't move a, a lot in, in, on the island. Mm. And uh, it's I, really small. It yeah. is. Mm. And I felt it needs a cabbage tree. So I put a cabbage tree in, you see. And that, and then it that must have had a cabbage tree at some point, surely. Oh, of course. Yes, probably. <laughs> That's right. I, I, uh, yes, the erstwhile cabbage tree. Someone in chopped memory down. Of the, of the pre-existing. So I put a cabbage tree on the left hand. Because, because you've got, you got the rules of composition, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, you don't want the viewer's eyes to... You want them to, to contain them within mm. the, painter, the painting. Right. Right. So they come in and you don't give them any way out again. Yes. So, you're tra- so you do trap people in your painting. Yes, I do. Absolutely. Uh, I was going to say, though, that Dad, when he said uh, you could, it could be laziness, <laughs> uh, I found that uh, later on I thought, right, what I'll do is I'll stand in front of the, the piece of paper mm. and I'll just grab a big brush and fill it up with uh, red paint and... Uh, yellow paint and then blue paint and and just make a blob yeah and then uh, i will decide what what is this picture right and uh, then that's where fun folk came from oh is that right because then i'd uh, put some legs on them and uh, have them sort of interacting with one another and put a little dog down the end or something like that it's almost a doodle but it it feels like a purposeful doodle well they've been very successful actually some people collect just those yeah they remind me, I, I hope this isn't offensive to, to suggest that they might be like other paintings, but they do remind me, not that they're very like, but 
Lowry. Oh, yes, yeah. I thought you might, you yeah. might say that. Yeah. 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 Matchstick uh, yes. Uh, yes. cats and dogs. That's right. Matchstick, matchstick, matchstick men, yeah. I kind of to say. Just that sense of a crowd of people who've they've all got things to do and yes. you know, they're going places and, and you're, you're just in the moment. Well, you've got to find a story, you see. That's so right. then, then you yeah. tell that story. That's right. And uh, that's yeah. the, uh, the appeal, I think. Well, that's interesting because I was going to ask you that. To me, when I look at your paintings, I feel like you're midway through a story, which I suppose life is. You're, you're, you're halfway through a day or some well, moment in time. Someone, exactly. Yeah. But it feels as if you are telling a story and you're implying that there's... There's more to this than what you're seeing. And I hope that's what uh, yeah. uh, people get from it, yeah. yeah. And uh, I populate my paintings. Mm. Uh, a lot of, uh, I've noticed a lot of artists don't. Right. And I don't, well, because they're frightened of figures. Okay. Uh, because, yeah. they, you know, they can, you get a, a bad figure and it, it just ruins a mm. painting if you mm. don't. So you've got to get your figures right. Well, that's what I do anyway. Yes. And um, if a figure's not right, I know I'll ruin it, so it's got to be right. Yeah. And then you'll notice there's, uh, you know, there's, there's people in that painting. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, listeners. Listeners, you can't see it, but uh, it's a beautiful painting of, now, that's that's Otago Boys, is it? Yes, that's yes. the view from the rooftop here. Yes. Yeah. Oh, of course, mm. where we're sitting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, it makes it human, doesn't it? You, 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 yeah. you bring it alive. Well, by, that's right. By the population. And if you look closely, the, the, you know, I'll put figures in, uh, there's one uh, uh, over there of... Uh, a place called Fendochti, yeah, but if you come from Fendochti, you call it Fenechti, apparently. Oh, right, okay. And uh, I put a, couple, uh, a little person on uh, uh, with a red jacket uh, down on the beach, and so oh, your eye would wander so along the beach, them. and then you yeah. go, hello, there's someone there, yeah, you know. Yeah. Populate your paintings. Oh, yes. But mm. it's, yeah, it does, it makes you want to know, well, where's, where's this chap going? He's walking down the road, you know, and yes. it does bring the painting alive, it really does. Well, that's, um, thank you for that observation. I'm, uh, you've made me very happy. Well, you must, when you're painting it, you sort of you must have a story in mind of where he's going, I presume. Uh, well, sort of. Uh, I'm thinking, I know he's going down the hill. Yeah. Uh, but quite often they're on a particular part of the painting. Yeah. Uh, and that's on the, on the uh, collision between two of the thirds. Right. So there's thirds there and thirds there, and he's quite ah, deliberately put okay. right on the. So uh, it's a technical point, but it also adds. Yes, well, this if he was telling element to if it, he was up to the left, he would uh, attract attention that was unwarranted. Yes. Uh, I want to have him in the, that spot. So yes, because you don't see him straight away. No, no, that's right. Mm. So I'd like. It's a bit like where's Wally? Yes. He's like, oh, there's a man. Where's yeah, that's right. And yeah. It, it's, it's intriguing and captivating. And there are more there. There's some people up yeah. by that gate. Oh, yes, yes, I see them now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, listener, we're looking at paintings yeah, yeah, and you can't see them. Such a visual thing. <laughs> Once again, a huge thank you to Ron. It was really a great pleasure talking to him, finding out all about his life and his painting. Uh, really wonderful interview there. Now I think it's probably time we had some music. This one is called Tornado by Little Big Town. Thought you'd change the weather, start a little storm. Do one better, hide the sun until 
was little big town and tornado seems to be a bit of a theme of disasters running through today's show but uh, i can't really let today pass without mentioning the hyde railway disaster that was uh, in 1943 on the 4th of june so a couple of days ago marked the anniversary of that and you might recall that we had a visit to dunedin city library an author talk by elizabeth coleman uh, way back in 2019, 1st of December it was, when Elizabeth was interviewed by oral historian Jenny Campbell. And she talked about her book, 
a life changed forever by the Hyde Railway crash. And she introduced the stories of herself and her brother, who talked to, he, he was actually uh, thought to be the last living survivor from the crash. Interestingly, during the talk, just before Elizabeth started speaking, uh, they did a sort of round robin of the audience to see if anyone had any connection or recollections about the crash. And it turned out that there was a lady in the audience who had been a baby, a babe in arms at the time of the crash, and she actually was another survivor. So that was a wonderful discovery at the talk. Uh, it was very moving and heartrending to hear the personal accounts of what happened. And uh, yes, it was a very moving story. And we have a recording of it on the Scattered Seeds archive. So if you would like to revisit that talk with Elizabeth Coleman um, and hear those firsthand experiences of her brother and herself and the young lady who had been a baby, you can listen to those on the archive on dunedin.recollect.co.nz. So that's a nice way to mark the tragedy. Well, I think we've probably run out of time, as often we do, uh, come to the end. But don't forget to tune in next week, next Monday at 11 o'clock. We'll be on 105.4 FM or 15.75 AM live in the studio with Jill and myself. You can listen to this show or any other other shows are repeated on Tuesday evenings at 10 o'clock. And you can also, of course, download the podcast. If you're computer savvy, you can go on to the oar.org.nz website and look for Recollections Radio and you'll find a list of our podcasts there so you can look at previous shows or listen to previous shows. That's all we have time for today. I might just play out with this song. This one is The Show Must Go On by Queen. Spaces, what are we living for? Abandoned places, I guess we know the score. On and on, does anybody know what we are looking for? Another hero, another mindless crime behind the curtain.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.